You know it, I know it. USC's wide receivers are coveted, even their part-time players. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. And I really do appreciate your support. Without you, I'm just here wasting my time. So if you are watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, it's really easy to become a subscriber. Just click that subscription button. It's done. You like the episode, hit that thumbs up. Both mean a whole heck of a lot to the show. And I come at you five times a week, Monday through Friday. So don't forget that bell notification. So when the number one athlete from USC's class of 2020 can't earn playing time, you know you have a pretty deep wide receiver room. Gary Bryant Jr., a.k.a. GB1, uh, he was the highest rated player in USC's 2020 recruiting class. Uh, Just as a reminder, that was Clay Helton's final class as the Trojans head coach. That class had a total of 12 members. And so far, the return on that investment has, uh, no, here it is. Tuli Tuiapolotu, he's going through his uh, OTAs with the LA Chargers. Jonah Monheim, he's starting on the offensive line. And then this is what's left. Andrew Malek, Jamar Sakona, Kobe Pepe, and Andrews DeWork. These guys are still looking to make an impact. But that's it. Everybody else is gone. Moved on, transfer portaled out, or into the draft. It what's, What makes the, the loss of GB1, I guess, I don't say, more difficult, is he grew up a Trojan fan. Um, I, even when things weren't going great in the land of Troy, uh, you know, he stuck with his dream school. I know, Gary's one of those few who actually said he had a dream school and went to it. He enrolled early. And then he even started to develop a a really good relationship uh, with Keaton Slovis, who was the starting quarterback at the time. And it looked looked like Gary was going to have a really long, well, have a very fruitful career at USC, four or five years, however long that would take. But following a solid 2021 season, um, you know, Gary was hoping to, you know, be a part of the team's turnaround. Uh, especially after Lincoln Riley inherited the program after the 2021 season. It just didn't feel like it was in the cards. Not even as a special teams um, specialist, as a return guy. Because uh, as it turns out, you know, Gary's biggest contributions were pretty much on special teams for USC, returning kicks and punts. He had a really solid uh, freshman season, as well as a very solid um, 2021 for whatever reason, though, it didn't make the impact on Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff. So, while SC's wide receiver, while SC's wide receiver room is, you know, probably you know they'll see more highly ranked players leave. Um, the ones that have left, they're not going too far away. Kyle Ford, UCLA Bruin, GB one, 
is now an Oregon Duck. And he's got three years of eligibility left. So, um, the Trojans' secondary this coming season um, are going to see both of those guys. In fact, they're going to see both of those guys on back-to-back Saturdays. First, USC travels to Oregon, and that's the week right before they host UCLA, last game of the season, regular season. There's really no way to say this other than just, you know, clarifying and stipulating it. This is not intended to disrespect GB1 or Kyle Ford. However, it's not like USC will will suffer because of these two losses. Um, this isn't the first time Oregon, you know, got a Trojan, I'm using finger quotes for who, those of you who are listening, not watching, uh, got a hand-me-down. And I really do hope that uh, Gary has a better career at Oregon than Devon Williams had when he thought the pasture was greener in Eugene. Yes, Gary will be wearing green. Uh, things didn't turn out as well as Devon, William, Devon Williams had hoped it would have. Let's hope it turns out better for GB1. Now, there is one suggestion that I would love to make to USC uh, when you when the Trojans and Ducks do play in November. Do not kick the ball to Gary if he is returning kicks. Do not give him the same chance UCLA gave him when they kicked the ball short after kicking five or six consecutive touchbacks in that game back in, uh, in 2021. When they kicked the ball short, Gary took the kickoff return about 60-plus yards, whatever it was. It set up the winning score. Yeah. So let's not tempt fate. Losing to Oregon in Eugene would suck. It would suck tenfold if Gary scored or set up the winning score. Let, let's not tempt fate. Uh, but before Trojan fans you know, write these guys off as a couple of Benedict Arnold turncoats playing for the enemy, and I'm referring to Gary Bryan Jr., we talked about Kyle Ford when he became a Bruin you know, a little over a month ago. Let's try and remember, everybody, that both are USC graduates. They earn their degrees. They, became, they are Trojans at heart, but it's at the point now where you have to start looking out for your own personal interests. These, both of these guys have professional aspirations, and in their mind, in their opinion, they felt they weren't going to get enough playing time at USC uh, to put stuff on film. So the transfer portal now gives players an option. And we're going to talk about that transfer portal and options in our third segment. So stick around. It's, it's, it's kind of a controversial topic, by the way. So make sure you stick around for the show. Look, USC has taken advantage of the transfer portal more than most. There's no denying that. And now some of the residual effects, though, are going to come bubbling up to the surface. I've talked about this before on the show. At a certain point, the players who weren't recruited by Lincoln Riley and the staff, um, they're, they're getting the message especially at that wide receiver position. Um, all of a sudden, these players who are leaving, are they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And when they do get the opportunity to play against USC, they're going to want to prove 
that they were worthy of being a Trojan and that the coaching staff made a mistake. <clears throat> Speaking of the wide receiver position, <clears throat> um, so I last week I talked about uh, John Jackson III becoming a Nevada Wolfpack member. Well, when Nevada visits USC or visits the Coliseum, there could be um, another Trojan, former Trojan, on that roster. Uh, again, I've been sworn to secrecy, although that news could happen as soon as tomorrow. It's, it's pretty much you just got to clear some red tape going on that's going on behind the scenes. So USC is going to see a lot of their former recruits um, on the other side of the line, on the other side of the field, on the other sideline uh, this season. You've got uh, Bam Allen at Utah. You know, you've got Kyle Ford at UCLA. Raylan Goforth up at Washington. You know, got Gary Bryant Jr. up at Oregon. This is what happens. So for all you guys out there who complain about USC recruiting, other programs seem to uh, want USC's castaways, leftovers. Describe it however you want. The guys who weren't able to achieve their dreams at USC. Hey, are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and you don't want all the calories? You got to try the best tasting protein bar ever from Built. You got to try these things. If you're like me, you want to try and be healthy, but you don't want to compromise your taste. I've got just the things for you from Built Bars and Built Puffs. These things are healthy and they taste amazing. And what makes Built Bars so good? For starters, they are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. I'm already in line. And they come in these really delicious flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. And what's even better, they're totally healthy for you. Only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's a lot. And you don't have to wait to get a box. I've told you before, you can go online and order them from built.com. You don't have to do that anymore. If you want to, you can, they'll appreciate it. But if you're near a Sam's Club or a Walmart, you are going to have them that much faster. If you're near Walmart, head on in, go to the pharmacy section. You can pick up a four bar box of their cookies and cream, their double chocolate bar. Oh, and they have something called a coconut puff if you like coconut. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run on in, grab a 13 bar box of their hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. Let me know what you think, and then you can thank me later. Hey, real quickie reminder. I mentioned this about a little over a week ago. I'm really excited to let all my listeners and viewers know that Locked On and SiriusXM are, have agreed to become partners. So all of our Locked On podcasts are now available on the SiriusXM app. Pretty cool, huh? And here's what's even better. During the season, when, the, uh, when I will be, as well as my peers with the Locked On Network, will be on the primary list for all SiriusXM producers. So that means when they need a guest to talk about USC, I'm the man. So this is why you're really lucky to be watching this show. I'm going to be everywhere. All right. 
I'm going to continue the uh, who's going to challenge USC in 2023 series here in this segment. I've Look, I've talked about Stanford and Cal and Colorado, as well as two of USC's out-of-conference opponents, none of whom have a chance in hell to challenge USC in 2023. I've also brought up Utah, and last week I mentioned Oregon um, as a couple of uh, teams that that they, they have the chance to challenge USC this season, without a doubt. So let's add the Washington Huskies to that list of potential challengers uh, for USC this season. And when I talk about potential challengers, we're talking about the Pac-12 championship. Uh, if you weren't aware, because USC didn't play Washington last year, USC and Utah weren't the only 11-win teams. Yeah. UW was 4-8 and eight the year before, just like USC was. They got a new head coach. His name is Kalen DeVore. He turned them into a contender overnight, 11-win regular season, and he had a really dynamic quarterback who returns this season as well. His name's Michael Penix. He transferred over from Indiana. Well, this is why Washington will be a challenge for USC this season, even though the game is at the Coliseum. They returned 14 starters from that team that won 11 games, seven on both sides of the ball. <clears throat> and again, the highlighter, the, the highlight guy that returns is quarterback Michael, Michael Penix. Uh, he led the nation in passing yards per game last year. Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Michael Penix probably should have been, should have been at the Heisman ceremony. He threw for over... He threw for 357 yards per game, and he threw 31 touchdowns and only eight interceptions. Those are really good numbers. Um, and he's going to have both of his top receivers back. That's why this is going to be a challenge. Uh, their top receiver, six foot three, 211 pound, Rome Adunze. He led the team with uh, 1,150 yards on 75 catches. And they also returned Jalen McMillan. Another big wide receiver, 79 catches, nine touchdowns. And the Huskies, their defense, they finished third in the Pac-12 overall. And they returned some significant pieces. Now, here's where their concerns are. Washington, unlike USC, excuse me, has to retool um, or re you know, find their running game. Uh, last year, the Huskies led the Pac-12 in total offense and was second in scoring only to, of course, USC. So the Huskies are going to be really good at throwing the ball, but there's a little bit of uncertainty who's going to be running the ball because both of last year's guys, they're gone. But again, that transfer portal, it helps. So they lost experience. They were replacing it with experience. Uh, they're bringing in two guys, Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State and Daniel Nagata from Arizona State. USC was after uh, Nagata out of high school. Here's another area where um, Huskies could have a concern this season. They need to replace four guys that started on their offensive line last year. A little bit like USC. Uh, but USC hit the transfer portal hard to to kind of find their fix. 
Last year, the Huskies only gave up seven sacks in 13 games. That'll get it done. And we know USC had a tough time completing the job once they got into the backfield unless Tulia Tule Pelotu was making it happen. And if they can um, get that offensive line figured out, that offense is going to be pretty good again in 2023. And that's going to be a problem for USC on defense. No matter how much USC improves on defense, Washington's going to have a very prolific offense. I think defensively, the Huskies, they're, they're going to be strong up front. They feel good there uh, based on post-spring um, uh, reviews and reports. However, a linebacker could be an issue. Former Trojan, I mentioned him just a little bit ago, Raylan Goforth, he's, uh, he's battling for one of the starting spots out of spring. And if you have followed the Washington Huskies over the years, especially recently, uh, you knew, you always knew that they were going to have a really strong secondary. And Jimmy Lake was their defensive coordinator before he became their head coach. Well, Jimmy Lake was relieved of his duties. And when he left, so did their strong secondary play. So I would anticipate, um, especially when US, when they come down to L.A., I would anticipate um, to see the Huskies this season in some high-scoring games. The Pac-12 was loaded at quarterback. And last year, the Huskies gave up 26 touchdown passes and almost eight yards per catch. That they're going to need to improve on that big time, especially um, when they get to L.A. Because Caleb Williams, he's got his own arsenal of wide receivers. And they're going to be licking their chops. And it's not just the wide receivers. The running backs catch the ball out of the backfield, too. Look, last year, the Hucks, the, the Hucks, the Huskies, they were good enough to beat Oregon and Eugene. Um, they beat up on Michigan State. And they actually handled Oregon State and Washington State as well. And then they beat Texas in their bowl game. So... You want to know how close Washington came to making the Pac-12 Conference Championship game and possibly the playoffs? So I, I mentioned a couple minutes ago, they, Washington plays USC in LA this year. They lost to UCLA last year in Los Angeles. Um, but that wasn't what kept them out of the uh, Pac-12 Conference Championship game. It was their loss a really bad Arizona State team. They gave up 45 points. And that was the difference. So, I said it, I'll say it again, just a reminder, this game this year is at the Coliseum. I have a feeling it's going to be a high-scoring affair, regardless of how good USC's defense improves this season. It just kind of has that feel to it. Hopefully, USC will be on the winning side, um, because the next week, yeah. All right. I told you I got a. I was gonna bring something up at the end of the show here. Third segment might be a little controversial. Tell me your thoughts on this. I want some feedback on this. It's gonna be important because I have a really strong opinion about this. And maybe just because of uh, the you know the generation that I grew up in. I'm a Gen X guy. 
I know how to appreciate old school, but also I understand what's going on today. I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to live in those two worlds. Here's the question. What are your thoughts on parents that hold their kids back a year, sometimes two years to play competitive sports? What kind of message is that sending? Because, you know, I, I think the first message that I receive as just an observer is that you're telling your kid he's not good enough to compete, he or she, among his or her own peer group. And if your child is in tune, I think that's the message they're receiving as well. Hey, let's stay back a year so you'll be better next year, but you're gonna play at this level. So, I mean, is the path of least resistance a good message to send? I, I don't know. Or should a parent, should the goal of a parent be to push and to test their child's abilities? See how good or where their weaknesses are by making them step up. Make them play against kids who are older than, older than them by a year. That's the challenge. That's going to build um, an understanding that it's okay to lose. You don't, you, losing is okay as long as you don't make the same mistake again. You learn how to win. Winning is hard. Losing is easy. But um, I've seen the argument uh, that, that it's being used for strategic purposes. I get it. Holding back uh, increases your chances with recruiting. And we're talking about these players who might be considered elite talents. So I guess when you, there was one uh, high school coach, I'm, I'm pulling this from, when you look at the rankings, according to this one particular high school coach, 95% of the top 50 are holdbacks. Top 50 players goes with the top universities. It has nothing to do with peers. It's a strategy. Okay. I understand the idea, but I don't agree with it. Going to college is the goal. Being a top player, being a top 50 player shouldn't have anything to do with it. If you're good enough, they will find you. The NFL finds guys at the lowest levels of, of college. They find guys playing semi-pro ball. Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback, was bagging groceries. They will find you. So if you're good enough to play at the collegiate level, there shouldn't be a need to make yourself artificially better than the competition. Look, I would hope with the, uh, with the transfer portal, this type of thing slows down at the high school level. I really do. Look, there are reasons why older, more physically mature players dominate. It's because they're bigger. They're stronger than the players who are sometimes two or three years younger than they are. At the high school level, this, this makes a big difference. Think about it. I remember when I was 15 in high school, the dudes who were 17 and 18, they were bigger, they were stronger, and I didn't want to get hit by them. 
let, and that just steps right into my next little segue there. We are not even talking about the emotional maturity. When you're 17, 18, 19 years old, you are going to be more emotionally mature than someone who's 14, 15, 16. We all mature at different levels, but let's, let's be honest here. When you get into that age bracket, you've already gone through puberty. I don't know. I, this is something that, like I said, I understand it. I get it. I don't agree with it. And I really hope this, this, this practice gets pulled back. Again, the goal is to get these young men and, and women to college. If and when they get there, they find out, hey, you know what? I'm ready for more competition. They're not stepping down, are they? They're hitting into the transfer portal and they're stepping up in competition. That's the goal. Test yourself. Don't step back and say, I'm just going to go dominate somebody who's younger and smaller than me. I don't know. I don't think it sends a good message. Like I said, I understand it. I just don't agree with it. Doesn't mean I don't like you. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just not the decision I would make. And if I was lucky enough to be blessed with children, I would not let them do it. Anyways, tell me your thoughts on it. Let me know how you feel. You can tweet at me. You can go to the YouTube site, Locked On USC. Tell me your thoughts. And oh, by the way, I got something else coming up here soon. I can't talk about it just yet, but I'm going to give you guys an opportunity soon to have some one-on-one -on -one time with me. When that news comes up, I'll let you know. Until then, I want to thank everybody for making Locked On USC your first listen every single day, Monday through Friday. As you know, when I'm not here, I'm over on WeRSC.com doing some writing. You should be too. And I really want, I want you to go check out my Sunday takeaway. Mother's Day was this weekend and we're all mama's boys. And I, if you have the opportunity, go read it. A little emotional. Anyways, until then, everybody, you know what to do.